Good morning. Uh, I was excited to read this scripture. As I was preparing for this, I was also uh, preparing for 412 on Wednesday because we actually read this same story but in a different gospel on Wednesday. And the disciples, as we read this, we just see the disciples shocked at what this woman does. But this woman did what she did out of love for Jesus and out of love for who he is and out of her faith. And as we read, you may think what she's doing may be illogical. It may be illogical for humans, at least. But for Jesus, it was faithful. And it was out of love. And I desire to serve and to love Jesus like this woman does in this story. So let us turn to Mark. We're going to be in chapter 14. And it says, While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, whatever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is the holy word of God. Let us all pray together. Jesus, we come today to worship you as Lord. As people who desire to be examples in our faith and our love for you. To do things that show people you are the Savior, that you are the Lord of this earth. We look to all of your people that came before us. The people that we love, that loved you so much. Let us remember them and live in the ways that they have shown us. Give us unwavering faith like the people that came before us. We thank you for those examples of their faith, and we, ha- we seek to be examples as they were. And God, as we come today, some of us so- filled with sorrow as we remember the people we have lost, give us peace. And we pray for our church, for where you're taking us and where you're leading us. We pray for the prayers of all of our hearts, and pray for the prayers that we write down on our prayer cards. God, we know you hear the cries of our hearts. We also pray for your people, for the tragedies that keep happening throughout the weeks, through bombings, shootings. God, for the brokenness. God, reach the heart of the broken. We cry out for them. We love them, and we want them to see the love of Jesus. God, you are their Savior and their Redeemer. And we thank you for sending Jesus to save us. And now let us all pray together the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, as the choir was singing, I I remembered I forgot one of the really, really important things that came this week, which was our seven foot two Steinway Grand Piano that's going to be in the center of the stage at at our new place. So that's kind of exciting for the music department and the rest of us. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. I want to show you a couple of dates. I know you've seen them before, but uh, I've got, got some things on slide first. June 3rd, next Sunday, right here uh, in this sanctuary, we'll be having Holy Communion like we do every time. It's the first Sunday uh, of the month, so we hope you'll come back to that. June 10th, we're going to have Tribute Sunday here in the church. Hope you come to any of the four services that we normally have uh, here. There's going to be some tribute to uh, what has gone on here, how people's lives have been moved here. And then on June 17th, uh, we'll be moving out to our new uh, place at 5050 REC Drive. Our new day begins, and remember, um, at 8.15 and 10.15 will be our two service times there. So we hope you'll come on out uh, and be there for our very first, first day. Today's Memorial Weekend. And we remember those in, 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 on a Memorial Day weekend that served our country. Many of us are going to Memorial Day services. Some of us will go uh, to a graveside somewhere, maybe here in town. Maybe you'll go to the VFW. And we remember those that served in our armed forces, pr- providing us uh, the freedom that we have uh, in, in our lives here as United States citizens. As a church, I want you to be reminded that we have a large celebration of independence on July 1, where I'm really looking forward to see what that avenue of flags is going to be like out there at REC Drive that for years we've put up and down 8th Avenue here. Um, so we will celebrate that. So, so don't think that we uh, don't remember those that have served in our armed forces in our worship service. We do have a celebration of independence every year at the Sunday closest uh, to the July 4th. So come back for that. And we also, as a church... <clears throat> On a Memorial Day Sunday, commemorate those who have shaped us, those who have made us who we are. There, there are things that you do every day. There, there are ways you think. There, there are things you say, and at some level, someone that knows you really closely is saying, boy, you sound just like, or you're acting just like. And, and in that case, oftentimes that's a really good thing. And we want to remember those who who shaped us because as we read the scripture today, we understand that Jesus tells us that we are to be a people who remember. The story of the woman at the well in in Bethany is a story of remembrance. This is a little bit of time before the Last Supper happens. And Jesus with his disciples are there. And the story is, is pretty simple. What, what happens is that, that Jesus is there with his disciples. And she comes in with this very expensive bottle of perfume. And she breaks the top, which is different than taking the seal off. She breaks the top of the bottle because it was sealed. And pours it all on him. Now, how many of you have ever poured a whole body, bottle of perfume on yourself? Or had one poured on you? I mean, I, I have been with high schoolers, you know, in Yonkers or somewhere where you're walking by and they'll spray you with some of the perfume to be funny, but never a whole bottle. 
But in Jesus' day, and what he calls their attention to is, what's happening here is they're preparing him for burial beforehand. Now, they didn't have embalming techniques like we have now. So what they did was try to make the the body smell really, really good with a lot of perfume. But but Jesus was a living person. He was still alive, and they poured all of that on him. And, And so... The disciples were disgruntled by that. They said, well, what? stop her. It costs way too much money to, to do all that. And, and, and he said, no, wait. She understands who I am. And she's acting on that. And that's why we're to remember her. Remember Jesus says in that last line Kelsey read was, wherever the gospel is preached in all the world, which includes Mary in Iowa, what she's done is to be told in remember of her, remembrance of her. She's to be remembered because she knew Jesus and acted on that knowledge. And that's our message today. As, as we go through this series of treasures that have timeless meaning and, and, and a, a timely treasure, tri- timely message, I want to show you a picture today. Uh, can you show that next picture up there? We have a picture of stained glass. Ah, yes. So um, you probably can't see it from where you're seated. I can see it because it's in the back corner of our uh, sanctuary. But there are some here and here and here. The medallions are a nameplate on our stained glass. This is actually one of the 11 original members of our uh, church. His wife is already also commemorated up there. But, but the nameplates that you have here and in other places are put on things so, so that we might remember people for, for what they've done. Th- these, like, like uh, James Bromwell, he, he's remembered because he knew Jesus and he lived in memory of him. But what I want to tell you is this. We're not going to have a sea of nameplates at the new church. Because, for one, I believe everybody's equal in the eyes of God, regardless of what they're able to give or not. And most importantly, um, I don't think nameplates are needed for any of us. N- nameplates are something that, 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 that we like because it commemorates someone, but our lives is really what commemorate who we are. I, I used to lead, a, 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 when I was Kelsey's age, I used to lead a large group uh, Conference Council on Youth Ministries in Colorado. But our big event every year was this event called Up With Youth. We'd have 1,500 kids come to the YMCA of the Rockies, and we'd, we'd bring in whoever the famous preachers or, or actually famous characters. I always called them characters because they weren't preachers that, like in the sense I'm a preacher now. They were youth speakers, young people that, like a guy named Ken Davis, people like that. We'd bring in those kind of me- messengers. But one year we had a high school kid. Her name was Simi Xavier. She was given the Sunday morning uh, message and she said this. Listen to this. The greatest people in your world, and she pointed at all of us, the greatest people in your world I've never heard of. I thought, I wrote that down 30 years ago. I thought, that is awesome. You know, which is to say, the people that shaped you, the people who made you, and the names that are rolling around in your mind right now, well, I've never heard of probably. But they're the most important people in your life. They're the greatest people in your world. And yet most of you that are sitting left to right of you, we might not have ever heard of them. Years ago at summer games, we used to have this thing called uh, Pass the Mic. Now that we have 560 kids, there's way too many to talk because, you know, when you pass the mic at the end of a summer camp, the kids want to share what, what's happened to them. And to be honest with you, when you have 500 and some kids, it's kind of like opera. 
after three hours, it just gets long, okay? It's good up till then, or a dance recital if you're a dance dad like I was. It just got long. But I remember what one of these kids said. We were down at Iowa Wesleyan. And he said this, God has heard of all of us and won't forget us. I don't need a nameplate for that. I don't need to be commemorated because the people that have changed my life, their nameplate's tattooed on my heart. It's in my mind. And our names are precious in the book of life that God has written with his very own finger. And he won't ever forget us. No matter how many years go by since the days we walked on earth. We're already famous. Because the most famous, the famous one, God, knows your name. He loves it. He won't ever forget it. Now the woman in Bethany, her name, now I know you can read the other gospels and they give and assign a name to her. But in for some reason, and, and maybe we should investigate that a little while, in the book of Mark, first gospel written, her name's not given. This is an unnamed woman that bends down at Jesus' feet and puts oil all over her. And Jesus says, people like her are supposed to be remembered forever. As long as you remember me, remember people like that. Because she knew Jesus and she acted upon it. We're we're commanded by Jesus to remember her and those like her. We are to remember the blessed saints of our lives because in many ways we live in memory of them. I'm going to give you an example or two. Many of you in this service might have bumped into my dad. He's entered the heavenly kingdom in 2006, so some of you have not. I understand that. But in my life, I live part of my life in memory of him every single day because he was one of the strongest men I met. He was a, ever knew. He was, to many people, he was a high school teacher, a junior high teacher, a high school principal. He was many things, but to me, he was a strong Christian man. He had a tender heart. He knew how to cry. He knew how to laugh. And he knew how to encourage you with discipline if that's what was necessary. <laughs> middle, middle child, so I, I'm aware of all this. But he was undeniably Christian. And I've told this story many times about my dad being a member of this church for probably 40 or 50, 50 years, probably moved here in 1965. But in regards to church, it was Sunday you went to church. Because my dad knew Jesus and he lived in memory of him. And so I've told this story at every membership class probably in the last 10 years that in relationship to church, I had a drug problem because I was drugged to church, drugged to Sunday school, drugged to MIF. Okay? That's just how it was. Because that's what Lowell did. It's Sunday. You're going to church. You're going in the morning. You're going at night. Good job. Have Have a nice time. There was not a lot of negotiating going on. But because of that, because of that strong character... I came to realize by all the things that were being put in me, first by his leadership of the Christian home and the collective all of us at Marion Methodist, I came to know Jesus Christ and I'm grateful for him. And, And so in remembrance of him, because he knew Jesus and he lived on his behalf, I live in memory of my dad. Ron Sleeth was my preaching professor Actually, to you, his wife is probably more famous. She wrote hymn number 707, the hymn of promise, for Ron Sleeth's funeral. First time I'd ever heard it. 
was at his funeral. She wrote it in his hospital room. Ron Sleeth was one of the few people. I went to a very liberal seminary. I didn't know about that when I got there, but I, I did. And so not everything worked well. And I was just a guy from Iowa, and I had a lot of resistance still to what was my call. But in, in seminary, you have to preach a certain number of sermons, sermons to your classmates. And so my first preaching class, Dr. Sleeth was my, preacher, my preaching professor. I got up in the chapel at Iliff, and there's 12 or 13 in your preaching class. So it's kind of like a small group, but you're preaching like it's live. And I preached this sermon. It was on Philippians chapter 2. And it was horrible. It was terrible. It was all the bad bulls you can put with it, right? <laughs> And I want to want to also tell you this: that when 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 you're done preaching, you know your your friends, quote unquote, are taking notes on what you said, and they completely agreed with my assessment of the sermon, <laughs> with my presentation, with everything. I mean, it was horrible. And and I, you know, I saw it's kind of blue because you know I'd worked on that and thought I'd done you know some preparation on that, but you know it was one of those days where you know this is like I've moved to Denver. And I'm like, you know, six months into this thing, and this is not working out. And I remember going to my apartment, which was there on campus. We, we had a garden-level apartment, because that's where they put the newbies down, kind of in the basement, such as it was. But, but there was a hallway outside. And I heard this, like my friends, because we were in our 20s, you know, instead of going, you know, taking all the time to go 15 feet over the stairway, they'd just jump from, from the garden level down onto the concrete hallway. Well, I hear that jump, and somebody going, bam, 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 on my door. And I'm like, go away. I'm like, you know, having a pity party here. And I don't need any company because it's a party of one, right? Again, bam, bam, bam. I said, well, come in. And it's Ron Sleeth. And Ronnie walks over to me. Dr. Sleeth walks over to me. He's about six foot three. He puts his finger right on my chin, right here. And he says, that was horrible. <laughs> I'm aware. Okay. I'm aware. He says, that was horrible, but you are not going to be horrible at this. As a matter of fact, you have the possibility to be great at this, so do not stop. You go, you go, you go, you find my office, you help me, you, you let me work through outlines with you, you go, you go, you go. Because of that old man showing up in my apartment, it's one of the three reasons I didn't quit seminary. And so, because he knew Jesus and lived in memory of him, I live in memory of Ronnie Sleeth. And the third one, even though I, I have a long list, but I want to get to your list. There's a fellow named Jack McAdams. By the way, this is Simon Campbell's favorite story of church growth. Jack McAdams was a teacher who then sold sporting goods, coach and all that kind of stuff. He uh, was a great Methodist guy, and he had a rough edge to him. In Cedar Ridge, Colorado, I was 27 years old when I became the pastor there. And right away, the church at best was dilapidated. I'm talking about the facilities. It was dilapidated. And so they said, you're here. You're not going to be here very long. Rebuild our church. Okay. <laughs> so we went a year-long building project. Rebuilt the whole church, every single inch of it. Except the inches that are underneath the choir loft. We left everything there the way it was. Rebuilt the church. Monday morning, the new carpet was going to go in. Friday, it came on trucks. The rolls weighed 6,000 pounds. Put it in the choir loft. Church burned down. Church burned down. Completely down. So I thought to myself, 
Well, self, let's have another building project. <laughs> Easiest building committee ever, because when you're standing there looking at a big hole, the, 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 the elders of the church do not debate whether you should do something or not. Yeah, we should probably do something about that. <laughs> so we built this brand new church, brand new, every single thing. We lost everything. We lost 104 stained glass windows. We lost everything we had. First Sunday in the new church, which was, uh, you know, 200 seats. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about 11,000 square foot church, five Sunday school rooms, gym in the basement that was actually built because one of the few places in Colorado that had a basement, they built the high school gym in the basement, so we still had it. It was high school gym from the 20s, though, so don't have grandiose thoughts in your mind. We rebuilt this place on the first Sunday. I was in the sanctuary, so I didn't see this in person. But three of our little boys, and I want to tell you that the first year I went there, we had a Sunday school of uno, one. We had grown that Sunday school, Mother Teresa and I, and, and with some great help, to about 30 kids. So three of our little boys, second graders, had grabbed their Kool-Aid and their cookies, first day in the new church, and they're heading up to their brand new Sunday school room. And one of the ladies... And I, I don't use this term to defame them because this is what they called themselves. Our UMW funeral committee, by the way, was called the Ladies of the Skillet. That was their thing. I'm like, okay, because the first time the funeral director handed me a check to them, I'm like, I'm not giving this to them. He says, no, that's what they called themselves. I'm like, okay. But one of the ladies of the skillet named Marge came running out from behind the coffee pot and says, you boys will not take that stuff upstairs. There's a brand new church. You're not going to mess it up. They were eight years old, so they shrunk back down, according to Jack McAdams. We had an ad board meeting the next day. All the people of the church were assembled, the appropriate officers, and the ladies that had kind of chewed out these kids. Here comes Jack McAdams, who's 73 years old at the time, walks into our brand new sanctuary with a cup of coffee. And I'm telling you, people were nervous and I said the prayer and did the devotion. He stood up with that cup of coffee and said, Pastor, I got something to say. He said, now, I heard there was an incident yesterday about some of our boys. And he said, so I want to get something straight. And then he does one of these. Poof. He throws a, a fresh cup of coffee straight down the center aisle of my brand new church. And I'm like, are you out of your mind, Jack? The reaction in the pews was similar, but a little bit gruffer. Jack says, listen. You all know I have enough money to pay for that, and I will pay for whatever it costs to get fixed, Pastor. But now we've got our first stain. We built this place for a future generation, for people that aren't even born. So if we don't have broken stuff, missing parts and fingerprints, we didn't build a church, we built a museum, and I'm not going to be any part of it. And I said, praise God, amen, you know? By the way, that's what we're building out there in REC Drive. If it's not a mess by the end of the summer, we did it wrong. But I gave my. <laughs> because we're the forefathers and foremothers of a generation, and I hate to say this, we built it. But what we're sitting in today was built for us too. So we build for someone else. And so, in memory of Jack McAdams, because he knew Jesus and he lived on that belief, I live. In memory of him. Now, I have more, like I said, but we live, we act, and we believe in memory of those who have preceded us in the faith. So, we're going to do something here that you probably haven't done 
under my leadership before. I'm going to ask you for a minute to, to, I brought my own pen up here. I want you to reach for pencil and paper or pen and paper right now because we're going to do our own little spiritual exercise here. I promise you not to do any of this out loud, but I'm going to put the instructions up on the screen. As an act of worship, on this Memorial Sunday, I'm going to ask you to write the names of those in your life who have joined the church triumphant, who have blessed your life because they knew Jesus and lived on his behalf before you. I told you about Lowell. I told you about Jack. I told you about Ron Sleeth. There's others. But as an act of worship, write the names of those in your life who have joined the church triumphant, who've blessed your life because they knew Jesus and lived on his behalf before you. It's up here on the screens if you want. Take a minute. Let's actually do it. You may want to continue to write, but at the end of the prayer, the phrase, the memory of the saints is forever blessed, is what needs to resonate in your heart. Let's take a minute. Oh, Lord God, you've given those to us before we were even born. There was some imprint on these people's lives at a certain moment in time, they were going to come in contact with us. And when we saw them, And when we lived by them, we knew that they knew you. And they lived in memory of you. Maybe they were the ones that put our boots on every day when we were a little kid. Maybe they were the ones that earned the salary, that that kept the home going that we lived in. Maybe they were some preacher or a teacher or a friend. Maybe their sojourn with us on the path of life was a few months or a few years. Or maybe from the moment we were born until now. All those things are important. Maybe they're young, maybe they're old. All that doesn't matter. But now, Lord, we say them in the voice of our heart to you, giving thanks, O God, for these that you have given us. The memory of the saints is forever blessed. No, I have a different list at this particular service than I had the last one, but this one has six names on it. And Jesus tells us our memories are blessed and must be acted on. The woman acted on, uh, on, on, on behalf of Jesus by, by, by knowing who he was. And we're to act on her behalf by imitating her. Our faith heroes, maybe some of those that you listed, maybe some of those that that you have seen around here, their potent and faithful example is to to be part of our own Christian living. The Marian Methodists, the forefathers and foremothers we have of of this particular group, group, we need to remember them, whether they have a nameplate on the wall, because by the way, there's a lot more of them that don't have nameplates than do, but we need to remember them because they knew Jesus and acted. Do you know how ludicrous it was to build this particular facility in 18? 
1795. When Marion had 5,000 residents, they built, this room is much smaller than what they originally built. They built a sanctuary that sat 1,500 people. That is faithfulness. And and that faithfulness needs to be remembered. They they built this once, once magnificent edifice and this wonderful legacy of ministry that we have come to be a part of. And in honor of Jesus... And in memory of them, we forge ahead to wherever God has taken us into the future, unafraid of what new frontiers in ministry we might come into. So on Memorial Weekend, we commemorate the dear ones, many dear ones, and we celebrate our memory of them. Because here's a Christian truth. Death is a departure, not a demise. All three of those men that I listed have entered the church triumphant, They did what we call dying, but I believe this, and I say it with frequency. I believe when a person dies, if they're a Christian, they grab the handle that we call death, and they open the door, and they walk from life to life and don't really feel a significant difference except for the full-out presence of God. They're in the heavenly mansions. They're with him face to face, and we don't shrink from that. And their essence lives on in the kingdom of God, and their essence lives on in our lives. It it lives on in our faithful ministry memory of them in the things we do day by day and in our faithful continuance of their legacy so your weekend memorial day weekend message is not complicated i doubt i'm ever going to be famous some of you probably might not ever have your names in lights at the paramount but we will be remembered we will be remembered. We'll be remembered by the famous one. And if you're remembered in heaven, what else do you need to know? Be remembered here on earth as a man or, man or woman who came to know Jesus and lived daily in his memory. Be, be remembered here in the, church, in, in, in the church triumphant for your service on the church, of, church on earth. You'll be remembered. You'll be remembered if you know who Jesus is just like this unnamed woman, and you act on that. If you live in memory of her, God be praised in everything you do. Let us pray. God, you are the famous one. You're the one and only. You're the one that never forgets a name. You're the one that never, ever confuses who we are with maybe someone else you know. You don't forget the ones that we are here to memorialize. You don't forget the ones that we love so much. You don't forget anybody because your memory is perfect so help our memories to be improved help our memory of the great saints of the faith help us in our memory of the great saints of our lives and help our memories of you be more clear let us live in memory always in jesus name amen You were equipped this morning at Memorial Day and you knew it was coming with a service of remembrance. Would you turn to that uh, parchment colored sheet in your bulletin and we have some wonderful remembrances here. Uh, We begin by singing uh, one of the great hymns of the faith. It's number 711 in the hymnal. It'll be printed on the screen for all the saints. If you're able, please rise and sing. We'll sing a few verses. Each one of them representing a saint that has been part of this worshiping community over the years. Uh, these candles uh, commemorate uh, by their flame the light of uh, their spirit that continues on in Christ and our remembrance of them in our living. And I invite you, honestly, to come forward after this service before they 
are taken out of the sanctuary uh, and take a look and, and remember some of those uh, that I, I see and, and have looked over earlier this morning and before this service to see some of those that I've loved and have passed on to the kingdom before us. One of the features of this service is to each year from last Memorial Day to this Memorial Day to read the names of those who have been added to the company of heaven from our congregation. So as an act of worship, uh, will you please uh, pay uh, heed as I read the names, a candle's lit in their memory, and uh, a, a bell is sounded on their behalf. The reading of the additions to the company of heaven from First United Methodist Church in Marion this year begins by saying the name Connie Albert. Daryl Andre. Velma Armstrong. Elaine Barr. Dawson Brown. Don Charlstrom. Chip Dickerson. Betty Hampton. Frank Hines. Juanita Hotchkiss. Nathan Justice. Pat Cress. Bud Lurch. Gary Marvitz. Tom Meeks. Gaylord Nelson. Marcella Sharp. Ruth Starr. Robert Ware. Let the memory of the saints be forever blessed. This year, our church has received memorial donations in the names of those listed there. John Boslog, Eleanor Bowen, Dawson Brown, Jack Chia, Chip Dickerson, Frank Hines, Juanita Hodge, Gary Marvitz, Norma Oswald, and Ruth Starr, and we're appreciative of those. It is appropriate for us to dedicate those memorials that we've received and those that have been used. So I'm going to call a member of the Board of Trustees and the member of the Memorial Committee to come forward now. We present these gifts to be consecrated to the glory of Almighty God and for service in this church in living memory of for handbells, 
Juanita Hotchkiss, Capital Campaign, Frank Hines, Video Recording Room, Don Pearson. We accept these gifts as a sacred trust and will guard and use them reverently in the memory of these beloved friends and members of our church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we commemorate these memorial gifts to the glory of God and in memory of those named here today. The memory of the righteous is forever blessed. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, without you, no words or works of ours have any meaning. Accept the gifts of our hands as symbols of our devotion. Grant us your blessing as we have consecrated these gifts to your glory, that they may be the enduring witness before all of your people, and that our lives may be consecrated in your service through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord for all of those that have loved us, that have moved on to the church triumphant. Amen. Their memory is blessed and we go forward, so I'm going to ask you to cast your eyes to the screen and watch our offering video today. In the middle of the center room, we have our state-of-the-art kitchen. You can see this amazing giant countertop that will serve plenty of meals to anyone in need. We have this station for dropping off dishes. Let's head inside. State-of-the-art equipment, refrigerators, stoves, convection ovens. We have a giant prepping station, tons of outlets for all of our crock pots, and this amazing dishwashing station. If these faucets alone don't get you excited, I don't know what will. One of the incredible features that our church is going to have is this area here. It's called the center. It's the room you enter right as you walk in the doors. We have an office space. We have a coffee bar. Most importantly, we're going to have lots of room for amazing fellowship and small group activity. I can almost smell the coffee and hear the discussions around the table. 